0: Welcome to On Aeon, an award-winning podcast featuring conversations between colleagues and their guests on, well, Aeon. This week, in the first of a special series on resilience called Better Being, we hear from Rachel Fellows, Aeon's Chief Well-Being Officer, with her guest, Chief People Officer and Head of Global Human Capital Solutions at Aeon, Lisa Stevens.
1: Hello and welcome to Better Being with me, Rachel Fellows. I'm the Chief Wellbeing Officer here at Aon and I'm passionate about resilience in the workplace and in particular, it's linked with performance and well-being. Did you know that today, only about 30% of us actually identify as resilient in the workplace? And This has a huge impact on our mental health, productivity, agility and sense of belonging. So in this series, I'm excited to discuss what can be done about this issue with thought leaders and subject matter experts as we look towards what actions we can all take to build and support our resilience, whether that be at the individual team or organizational level, all in the modern workplace. With me today and here to help launch this podcast series is Lisa Stevens, who's Aon's Chief People Officer and Head of Global Human Capital Solutions. In Lisa's role as CPO, she's responsible for 50,000 of our colleagues across the world. And as someone with vast experience in the people and HR space, I am absolutely thrilled to have you here today as our first guest on the Better Being podcast series. And I'm really looking forward to our discussion about all things workforce resilience. So Lisa, thank you so much and welcome to the show. And perhaps before we dive into the topic of workforce resilience, would you mind introducing yourself and letting the listeners know a little bit more about who you are?
0: Rachel, first of all, I just want to say what a pleasure it is to be part of the inaugural event of this podcast. And I am so looking forward to each series and hearing who you bring on and how you enlighten us as you have done so much for our firm to date. Um, I often say to all the listeners out there that the best decision we made in 2022 as a leadership team was bringing Rachel Fellows to Aon. So it's an absolute honor to be with you today. And so um, let me just tell the listeners a little bit about me. Uh, Besides uh, my my day job, I am also a mom of three uh, adults now, which is hard to believe. But my youngest is 18, heading off to university in a little bit. I have a 22-year-old that's graduating from university and a 24-year-old who is in the workforce. Uh, So uh, very busy there. I've been married for over 26 years uh, and uh, and just really, really lucky uh, to be in a place in the world where uh, I get to have an amazing opportunity to be with the colleagues at Aon and our clients, Uh, And then I also have this incredible uh, life outside with my family and friends. And so uh, like everyone, I have my struggles and I, and I, my children have their struggles and my family has their struggles uh, and we deal with them through all sorts of practices. And so Rachel this is this topic is for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're um, a chief people officer or you're a chief risk officer or you're a head mom of a household or dad of a household or someone in college, but uh, all these things that you talk about, they apply to everyone. And so I'm really happy that we're having this conversation and that we get to have this conversation.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa. And I was going to do sort of a a fun segue. And not only do we are we both mums, but we're also both married to a Rob. Not the same Rob, Nathan, Nathan to add, <laughs> but we can kind of part that one for now. But I, I also love the fact you've just blown the definition of work out the water. Work is relevant to all, all of us, however we choose to define our, our job description. And I think that was the first thing when we started to partner together on is like, actually, this scope of well-being is not about life and and not about work and non-work, this is life. And it all comes together under one holistic banner. And maybe we can just dive into definitions and language because I know sometimes we even joke, don't we, culturally, across the pond, things mean different, different things. So could we just dive into almost, how do we begin to explore the language of resilience, what it means to you? And I am gonna kind of slightly contradict myself and say actually as a leader, I'm going to, whether that be a leader in your household or in your workplace, can you, can you explain a little bit more about the language and how it resonates with you?
0: So, and, and, and Rachel, I would say that you've taught me this uh, to articulate this, but for me, and I think for our colleagues and for our practice in human capital, it really is about personal sustainability and human sustainability. And then it's about collectively coming together with team resilience. And, and I wouldn't have been able to articulate that a year ago. And you've helped with that tremendously in terms of how we see things and applicable as a leader. But again, Everyone has self-leadership. So we all have an accountability, which is the other thing is, uh, as leaders and managers, what are we doing to enable that? What tools are we providing? What data are we using? I know we're going to get into that in a little bit, but it, it applies to everyone. Uh, and so I do think as a leader, uh, and again, as, and then for my own personal life, it, it applies.
1: And I, I love the fact you've introduced and made that distinction already. And, and I was sort of almost as I was hearing you playing it out in my own relationships at, at work or, or at home and just thinking about how do I better learn what technically I'm responsible for? And I think that's such a new skill set and journey for us all, isn't it? And at what point do we then need to ask for help about those that are around us and how they connect and collaborate to build our team resilience? Building on that, and we talk about it, and many organizations do in our brand around you know, being a resilient workforce or organizational well-being, what does that actually mean then? So, we thought about the individual, we thought about the team, but why is there still this brilliant, in my, in, from my perspective, noise around organizational resilience? And how do you think, ultimately, the market is, is responding to that?
0: So... We've done enough, uh, and we have you know research on this, and certainly your team has led this for us, to see that this is one of the top three issues inside of every C-suite. And again, it doesn't discriminate. It's not, this is not just a CHRO or CPO issue. This is a CEO issue at the very top of the organization to a, uh, a risk issue. Uh, Rachel, I will just say last week um, to our listeners, Rachel and I were at a client uh, council meeting that was all chief risk officers, And the topic of of well-being was one of the main topics, and it kept coming up because people have become such a critical part of everything we do. Now, you and I would argue that it should have always been that way, uh, but it's there. And so it's fantastic for us because there's a bright light shining on it, and no one can avoid it. And so when we think about people and we think about performance, we have to take into consideration what are we doing to create a place where people can think, feel, and function, their very, very best, and where the organization has that vision to perform there and make that happen uh, through our values, through how we make things come together. And I would just say that uh, one of the things that has always resonated with me is uh, what, what you have, again, I have to give you credit, because this is all you, is that um, it's really looking at a well being maturity curve. And for organizations to really take a look and say, where are we from a foundational perspective, which is the bottom of the curve, which everyone is at. There there isn't anyone, there isn't any one person, there isn't any one firm, company, uh, government that could not be in a place where you're You've got a foundational need to focus on well-being. Uh, but then you get into, OK, so what are we going to do about it? Where are we? Uh, and then that leads to the next phase of the maturity curve around, are we reacting? Are we reacting to things the way we should be? Uh, and we all know that reacting is a good thing, but that's not where you want to be. And so this 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 growth for organizations is so critical, uh, which is what you, again, have been helping Aon with and have been helping our clients with, which is, how do you move into that proactive phase? Um, and then mastery, right? which is where we really want to get to, which is advancing and then really leading by example for uh, for other organizations, for your colleagues, for your colleagues' families, for your communities. And so uh, um, and the process of doing that is data, right? It's got to be data enriched. So you can't make, the, you, you can start with the, okay, we care about well-being, again, foundational. But in order to really move up that maturity curve um, of, of well-being, you really have to be constantly measuring and looking at data at what are we doing to really um, to really have an impact. And then how agile are we in order to say, here's, we have to shift or change some of the things that we think we need to do.
1: Lisa, thank you so much for sharing that and introducing the maturity curve. I'm not sure I've actually shared this bit with you, Lisa, but what I started to think about when I was contemplating, wasn't very a long contemplation about whether or not to join Aon, but it was looking and trying to identify where you'd already used data to make real step changes happen. And you're one of the first organizations or now i can say we are one of the first organizations to actually have the ceo owning diversity equity and inclusion and driving that from a data perspective down the organization and that for me was just the perfect almost like coat that i could just hang on to it just so happens i've got a new a new topic to ride behind but maybe we can just sort of go into the data piece a little bit more and we've said it's so critical to make it stickier in an organisation, but can we share a little bit around our d story and how we're starting to almost use some of those principles to make change happen internally?
0: So I would just say, like many firms, we've been on a journey with how do we impact diversity and inclusion and belonging i think the belonging piece is a really big part of this which plays into obviously well-being all of this plays into well-being but um, we really did reach out to i did as a client to our human capital team to provide us with the right benchmarking and data all the way down to uh, the manager level uh, of our 50,000 colleagues, and then placing that information in their hands. But not just placing it in their hands, then showing them how to read it, how to understand it. And then, okay, what do you do about it? Like, what are the the activities and the things you need to change to do that? Um, And so the process of going through that was huge. and, And you said it already, but... Um, uh, our chief diversity officer is great. Case and every single other leader in our firm. We don't have one person that owns it as part of our culture, uh, which was a big shift for us. And we were able to do that because, again, we were providing people with tools. Um, and then after we provided the tools, we showed people how to do it and we started holding them accountable. Um, then we did what was logical, which is we went back to our human capital team and said, can you help us build out how we tie this to compensation? And so we're, we're, we were very strong on that. And then we We also added um, our board added an inclusion and diversity subcommittee, which is one of very few, I think, in the world that's holding us accountable as a senior leadership team to make sure that the things that we put in practice we're doing. And so, uh, you know, I would just flip the question to you of knowing that we did all that and you hung your 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 coat on it, uh, the things that you've been doing around the well-being strategy, if you want to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I love that, Lisa, and and thanks for the invitation. And you can probably hear everyone, can't you, that the the bar's set pretty high. (laughs) So I I had to really think hard about, um, firstly, to create a data-led approach to well-being. And firstly, I love using the car analogy, but just lifting up the bonnet and just being really honest with what data we already had in place that we started to build off a, a strategy on. And like many organizations, actually, what we did have access to was ill-being data, not well-being data. So to try and identify what would work for 50,000 colleagues, I was actually looking at data that represented maybe 5 to 10 10 percent of people that were actually struggling. And there's an element of equity there. Is that fair? Is that right? Because actually we want in the spirit of a sustainable culture to understand the needs of the whole population. And that's where we started to bring in the Human Sustainability Index. So this is something that we developed outside of Aon, but it was really thinking about proactively what do humans need now to thrive in the modern world? And that's not meant to be belittling anything we've done before, but it is meant to say we do really need to develop an eight-legged table because we don't know which direction another challenge is coming from. And we also all felt the reality that the speed and frequency of challenge around us is, is ongoing and never ending almost now. So Lisa, I think what's been fantastic is the permissioning for you from you to just say, yes, Rachel, I align to the fact that our data set is valid, but not holistic. Let's go there, but let's be really intentional as to where we want to dive deeper, whether it be our new colleagues, our high performers, or what are the areas of tension where actually we may be leaning on endurance style behaviors rather than well-being behaviors? Do we want to start to unpick? So I don't know if you want to add anything else, but that's really where we then built this whole story off around.
0: So I would say the Human Sustainability Index is the it is that that is that it's the tool just like the tools that we gave to colleagues around um, what they needed to understand from a benchmarking perspective, and to me. Uh, human sustainability index. And I'll just say for our listeners, I'm just going to say HSI from now on because it's easier and because we love acronyms. Uh, I know so many companies do, but, but that gave us that opportunity to start measuring, like, again, where are we from? Where are we moment in time? Like what, where are we? And, and it would be great for you to just give the listeners a little bit more, like, what is it that we're looking at? Uh, And this is where it played into, uh, again, a gift to individuals of what are things that I need to be doing from a personal sustainability perspective to build my resilience. And at the time when we came to you before you worked at Aon, we were in the heart of COVID and the people organization was exhausted. And we were trying to figure out, you know, the only thing we knew is that we everything was uncertain and the opportunity for us to have that, that look at, okay, where are we individually and what are things that we need to be focusing on? again, from a mental, physical, emotional, again, I'll let you go through through it was super important. But then the other aspect of this was really the team component. And it was, how are we showing up as a team? And then what do we need to do to help each other so that we can help the organization, so that we can be the stewards of the organization in terms of resilience? And, And then I will just say the perfect world to me for any organization, and ours included, is where, uh, this is part of our DNA like we we have it right now I know we do it for all of our colleagues that we're onboarding. Uh, again it's a gift to them it's an opportunity for them it's it's their own personal thing I just want to make sure that we don't your HSI results are your results or no one else's to see. Um, but we do aggregate the data which is really powerful. Powerful for us to be able to see what are the things that we need to be doing as an organization to be supporting our our colleagues. But the perfect world to me is where we're doing that for all of our colleagues, and then we're giving them all tools, and we're giving them tools that I know that you're so passionate about that can really make a, an incredible difference. And maybe uh, you'll give a sneak peek into what the next uh, topic is going to be on your next podcast, Well, you'll talk more about that. But I just want to tee you up for that, Rachel.
1: Thank you very much, Lisa. And and also, um, maybe the listeners don't know that one of the first times we had a, a one-to-one together was probably when I was technically coaching you through HSI. Maybe you knew it was probably my interview, but we can <laughs> part that one for now. But um, maybe we can kind of scenario through that because I'm very happy to share personally how I design my life and the things that I've learned since COVID. And maybe you can reciprocate and do the same. But I think in 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 an element, HSI has eight pathways or eight ways that we as humans can now be sustainable. And Lisa, you touched on a few there, physical health, mental health, emotional health, a round of applause that we're all now talking about those last two things. We weren't talking about them two years ago. But what is fascinating when you really start to unpick the data is that, did you know you can be just as resilient with a strong community or with a strong sense of meaning and purpose? As you can with the physical fitness and we've been relying culturally in particular in certain regions of the world on quite narrow definitions of how to create sustainable lives so really sort of encouraging people to create buffers by widening their skill set at the individual level is huge and i also love what you talked to about this distinction again really where we've gone not wrong but we're at the learning stage at the organizational level in the past was we encourage the individual to do more for themselves. So we plug in mental health first data, we get wellbeing champions with fantastic outcomes, business resource groups, but it's still not acknowledging what a leader, what a manager can do to create the environment or the wrapper around that individual to help them thrive. And that's really where I've been really you know, proud of our clients and of Aon, starting to acknowledge that those things are actually different, And as a result, what data do you need to inform that? But maybe just dwelling on the the personal one, I definitely, and this is just a quite a crude example, but just before we met, my life was very much a four-legged table. So I was super duper fit doing triathlons the whole time. I was quite you know, solid in my mental health practices. I was very routined about meditation. I built the right network of amazing people around me that I could really be honest with my own emotional health. And I was still, and I I am still understanding my own hormonal cycle and how I best manage that. But then I had a very serious injury that suddenly took that physical health pillar away and I couldn't do any exercise for nearly two years. And that for me was a huge moment of you know what? I've almost put myself at risk with my life design strategy. And there are often these moments, it might be grief, it might be something else that just knock us. And then uh, they're incredibly revealing moments about how we can step into something else. And I know we've chatted about the pub scenario in the UK, but now my number one anchor is community. And I've made conscious choices to actually move somewhere to live in the heart of a community because that gives me so much resilience. But Lisa, I don't know if there's anything else you want to share from your own process of HSI as well.
0: I would just say, again, and going, going back and hearkening on that, the timing of when uh, when we first interacted with each other, I had just lost my mom. And, uh, and it was during COVID. And I was with her when it happened. It was very sudden and shocking, uh, to say the least. And I had a really good community around me. I think I had a really good, you know, in terms of like physically taking care of myself. Uh, But I think where I was, what was missing for me was understanding and trying to just like accept the grief piece in ways that I hadn't done before. Uh, And understanding that grief has its own, uh, its own timeline of when it hits you and when it doesn't uh, uh, and it, and it changes. But and there was something about being able to uh, to share it in ways that I hadn't done before. I think that was really powerful, and uh, and I think it made me a better leader, uh, quite frankly. And and not because I I'm not empathetic to tragedies or things that happen, because I certainly have had my fair share. As I know, many of, and almost all of us have. Uh, but I think it's that realizing that everyone's on a bit of a different journey in terms of where of where they're going with it. But the piece around um, being open to um, to what do we need to do as a firm when it comes to we do so much around um, you know around life, which is fantastic. Um, we don't do a lot around. Grief. And so, what do we need to do to put more support mechanisms in place for our colleagues who are all at one point in time going to go through it? And we're a phenomenal company at like being there and being reactive. Uh, But we have a huge opportunity. It's it's like the women's health piece for you around hormonal health. Like, what are, what are we doing around the holistic health of a woman? Uh, Why is it okay to talk about? you know, a back pain. But then when you say the word menopause, people get uncomfortable, similar to people not wanting to talk about mental illness before. And so I think uh, it just opened up this opportunity for us to be so much more comprehensive instead of breaking it down. Like Again, two, three years ago, so comfortable, everyone talking about how many steps they took and what they're doing. I mean, fabulous, wonderful. But it's so, we are so much more complex as human beings. And at Aon, we are, that's what we're doing, right? We're out there with our clients and with our colleagues trying to figure this all out together in a world where we have just so many external factors coming at us constantly. Uh, who knows what's going to happen on the next day? But we're sitting here saying, okay, we're going to figure this out One, we're going to help you to be personally more, you know, personally stronger in terms of how you sustain yourself and what you need to do, which means recognizing where we have things that we need help with. And then also, how are we coming together as a team and helping each other?
1: I love all of that. And I also know you invited me to have a a sneak peek about what other things we're thinking about internally. and, And one of those is actually using heart rate variability or physiological data to help inform people to make different choices. So it doesn't have to be trauma driven, it could just be new education driven, which is like such a better place to be. So Lisa, we're coming up to time now. So I'm just wondering, the classic golden question, what one thing would you like to part as an idea or a nugget that could really inform or summarize the conversation from today?
0: So I would, I would just like to say, one, Rachel, a huge thank you to you for everything that you've done for our organization and, uh, and the team that you brought collectively to our organization to help us uh, on this journey. And then I do just want to say to the listeners, listen into the next podcast. Rachel just hit on the, um, on the HRV, the heart rate variability but the whole thing around uh, what we do to recover, um, to take care of ourselves, and then how we strain ourselves. Again, lots of conversations about how we strain ourselves in terms of exercise and everything else, not nearly enough around the things that we need to do to recover. And so, I'm excited for us to talk about that tool and how it directly connects to all the things that we talked about inside the Human Sustainability Index.
1: So Lisa, I know you can't see my smile because this is an audio, but I promise you it's beaming from ear to ear because I'm truly grateful for you in particular being my first guest today. So thank you for your time and for your insights.
0: This has been a conversation on Aon and Aon's Human Sustainability Index thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can get more insights on well-being in the workplace and information on future podcasts by following Rachel Fellows on LinkedIn. To learn more about Aon, its colleagues, solutions, and news, check out our show notes and visit our website at aon.com.